Welcome to the PW Torch Daily Cast Best of Edition for Monday, February 26th, 2024. Today we jump back five years to an episode of Wrestling Night in America from February 24th, 2019. Greg Parks joined by then NXT specialist from PW Torch, Justin James, to break down the booking of recent NXT main roster call-ups and where they fit in on Raw and SmackDown. They also look ahead to take over New York to determine who could face Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT title. And they take calls on other possible locations for NXT territories, once a big topic on Paul Levesque's agenda, a possible 205 Live NXT merger, Bruce Pritchard's rehiring, and more. So let's get to it. Here we go with our five years ago Daily Cast flashback. If it's Sunday, it's Wrestling Night in America here on PWTorchDailyCast.com. Good Sunday evening to all of you listeners. I am Pro Wrestling Torch columnist Greg Parks here with you as I am each and every Sunday night for Wrestling Night in America where we talk about the big events in pro wrestling. You can find us here every Sunday night on PWTorchDailyCast.com, usually at 8 p.m. Eastern. However, if there is a WWE or Impact Wrestling pay-per-view, we go on the air right after that pay-per-view ends, devoting the entire show solely to reaction to that particular big event. So thank you for joining us as we are in between big events. We're looking forward to Fastlane in two weeks, another step on the road to WrestleMania. My co-host tonight is uh, PWTorch.com NXT contributor and uh, expert, Justin James. So we bring Justin on the show. Justin, good to have you with us tonight. Good to be here, Greg, as always. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, Justin, I, I've got you on the show here because, you know, we'll talk a little bit about Fastlane. We'll talk a little bit about Raw and SmackDown and, and what happened this past week. Looking forward to next week. But the reason I have you on the show, as you kind of um, <laughs> predicted when I solicited your, your, um, uh, schedule this past week is talking about the NXT call-ups to WWE and um, how that's been portrayed thus far. And if any of you listening want to join in on this conversation, you can call us at 515-605-9345. You can call up and just listen. However, if you want to uh, speak, if you have an opinion that you'd like to share with Justin and I, you can press 1 on uh, your device, whatever you're using, so that you'll show up in my queue as wanting to talk. Otherwise, you can email us anytime, and we will get to it uh, that very next week. WNIALivecast at gmail.com is the email address. We've got a couple that we'll get to later on in the show. But, uh, Justin, we've had two waves of NXT call-ups in the last month, two months. And I want to start back with the uh, group that was originally called up after the McMahon family promised to shake things up on the main roster. I'm talking about Heavy Machinery, Lacey Evans, EC3, uh, Nikki Cross. I know you've got strong opinions on not only those call-ups, but uh, Chapa, Gargano, Ricochet, and Aleister Black, the la- latest set of call-ups. So before I get into any specific questions to you, if you have any opinions that you want to unload right now, if you got anything to get off your chest about how these uh, folks have been portrayed so far, I'll let you have the floor to start things off. Thanks, Greg. I think the biggest frustration that myself, as well as a lot of other members of the audience have, or the WWE universe and the NXT universe, if you want to use WWE corporate speak, is that we're struggling to understand 
why the latest batch of call-ups happened when we just had a batch of call-ups that have not been really well utilized. You've got EC3 going 50-50, you know, tr- trading some wins and losses. Lars Sullivan was advertised, and they even had vignettes on him even before they announced the rest of that call-up batch. And he's MIA. Nikki Cross has probably been in more matches than the rest of Sanity put together at this point. He got called up about a year ago and has been in another misused batch of call-ups. Um, Heavy Machinery has done exactly what everyone's feared, which is become these like complete buffoons and these bushwhacker knockoffs. And Lacey Evans is just there, and, and people are scratching their heads and saying, why bring... Champa, why bring Gargano? Black we understand, right? I mean, the guy the guy's been overdue for for the call up now for a year. Um, but why bring Champa? Why bring Gargano onto the main roster? Why bring why why call up Ricochet when these folks are in the middle of amazing storylines on NXT? when the previous batch of call-ups hasn't even been integrated. And, and I think that's the, the biggest concern I think everybody's had. Everybody has them. Yeah, it's just, it's, it, I think the, the the problem is especially with DIY, right, with with Gargano and Champa, who are in the middle of a very, I mean, this is a storyline that's gone on for over a year now in NXT, uh, breaking up as a tag team, feuding as singles wrestlers, and now it appears some weeks in NXT that they are on their way back to getting back together. And then all of a sudden, with no fanfare, they're called up to the main roster, and they're tagging together. And they've, they've sort of been, it, it, it hasn't been, they've been a little uneasy with each other in the, these first two episodes on Raw and SmackDown this past week. So it's not like they've completely forgotten what they've done in NXT, but it does feel like so much of that storytelling in NXT has been disregarded. You know, you're not rewarding the fans who watch NXT and who watch more of the product than anybody else. And I think that's the frustration for the people who take an hour out of their time every week to watch NXT TV, to watch the TakeOver specials, and to really emotionally invest into the NXT brand. WWE is not rewarding those people with the stories that they're telling upon the call-ups to the main roster. It's almost like, you know, don't let don't let your lying eyes deceive you as to what you've seen in NXT. We're on a whole different planet here on the main roster. So I think that's the frustration of some fans as well. It's not just that, but it, it's and this sounds so this this is gonna sound really lame and cheesy and corny and maybe maybe a bit into that part of fandom that a lot of folks dislike when fans put expectations and unwritten contracts on things that they're fans of. But I feel like it's almost a trust breaker. Um, The NXT fans have trusted NXT to pay off this Gargano-Champa feud. And when it started, I remember, you know, DIY was an incredibly beloved team. These guys were ultimate red meat baby faces. It was like if, I don't know, like if Rey Mysterio and... I don't know, Santino Morella teamed up and somehow it defeated Brock Lesnar and Mark Henry for the tag team champions, right? You'd be like, you know, and, and, and we, we trusted these guys to 
we, we trusted NXT to carry this story to its conclusion throughout some times where there were some real questionable moments. You know, we had we had about this time of last year or a little bit later this time last year when we were really questioning, you know, has this feud run its course? You know, are we really headed for another Ciampa Gargano match? And then you had the the weird who done it with William Regal and his lawyer investigating. We were all kind of rolling our eyes. But at each for each low that we had in this storyline, the next beat was so much better than what came before even the low. Right, like the storyline has kept taking us through new highs, and you look at it and you say, I'm, I'm loving this, I'm loving this, I'm loving this, and then boom, you've just fallen off the cliff and saying, I don't know what's happening. Are we, am I going to turn on NXT in three days' time? And Ciampa Gargano are still on their slow burn towards maybe reuniting as a healed DIY. Um, are they going to pay off Velveteen Dream defeating Gargano? Are we going to just, are they just going to evaporate from the NXT roster? What's, it just leaves this huge gap of doubt mm-hmm. um, as to what's going on in the NXT storyline. If that's blown up, then as fans, it's going to make it very difficult for us to invest in a storyline for a long time, knowing that Vince will Bigfoot Triple H right. and yank his, his, his two-year story out from underneath him because he thinks it's going to... I don't even know what the rationale is. Do they think it's going to pop a rating? Do they really think that NXT is leeching viewers from Raw and hot-shotting Gargano and Ciampa onto Raw is going to it's going to pop a Raw rating? Like, like what was the rationale? I, I don't even understand the rationale, but whatever the rationale is, you're going to be like, can I trust Vince to to not do this again? I don't know. Yeah, and you bring up an interesting point that you know, Vince is kind of pulling the rug out from under Triple H's baby there, which is NXT. And, you know, people have, have long speculated that when Vince McMahon moves on, that Triple H will take over at least the creative end of WWE. How much of this do you think, if any at all, is gamesmanship by Vince McMahon? And where he looks at NXT and says, oh, you got this nice little year-long storyline going on. It would be a shame if someone called these guys up and put them together and kind of disregarded everything. Do you think this is at all Vince playing mind games with Triple H and, and trying to take guys from NXT and just seeing how he reacts and seeing how the booking in NXT changes, if at all? Or is this something that's calculated that Vince wants these guys for a certain purpose on the main roster and we're going to see that eventually? You know, normally... Vince being Vince, I would say, geez, Greg, that sounds like insanely plausible. And it does sound insanely plausible. If you know <laughs> yeah. anything about Vince exactly. and Kennedy McMahon, you know this is an insanely plausible theory. This isn't like, you know, like, you know, this isn't some chemtrails tinfoil hat thing. Yeah. The reason why I'm going to say that I don't believe that's the case is because the history has actually been pretty good. For example, you know, at one point, um, you know, main roster asset stripped NXT of its female wrestling roster. And Triple H was able to uh, get, I, I, I think it was Asuka, he was able to, you know, they wanted to pull Asuka at that time too. And he was able to say, look, we've taken everybody. you got to leave me Asuka because he's, you know, she's the only thing I've got left. Mm-hmm. And then he built around, you know, uh, Nikki Cross substantially. And Vince hold all Sandy and Triple H was able to reserve Nikki Cross and you know this is about as documented as you know internet wrestling rumor mill can be documented right 
you know, but, you know, I've read in multiple sources that, you know, Triple H was able to reserve Oscar. He was able to reserve Nikki Cross. And so given that history of him being able to raise his hand and say, I want to, I wanted to help you do the right thing, but you're just going to murder NXT if you do that. I don't think this was a mind game. Well, let's get to the specific wrestlers who've been called up and, and let me get your thoughts on how, um, how they've been used thus far. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that in addition to you your recapping of NXT TV on PWTorch.com, you're also part of the rotation of the um, uh, PWT Talks NXT Daily Cast every Thursday on uh, PWTorchDailyCast.com. So uh, make sure if you're out there in listener land that you check out Justin and and a host of other co-hosts who uh, give their thoughts on NXT each and every week. So uh, the first up, Justin, is, is Heavy Machinery, which strangely enough, may be in the best position of any of those early call-ups. It was long thought that when Vince got his hands on heavy machinery, he would be a big fan of Otis. And so far, that's that's borne out pretty well. You know, heavy machinery, they're not in a position where they're tag team title contenders yet, but it seems like they are working their way up. Uh, They're they're not a team that WWE is attempting to have fans take seriously, I don't think. And yet, because of the way the tag team division is structured, even a tag team that you can have fun with, like Heavy Machinery, can still be seen as a threat to the tag title. So what's your take on Heavy Machinery thus far? Um, I think that they've definitely fared the best out of all the call-ups, and in no small part because they are a very they're, they're a group they're a team that's very friendly to the main roster audience. Uh, anyone from age five to five hundred can enjoy their act. They're both credible and they have the ability to do comedy sometimes at the same time. And you know they're easy and they fit right into Vince's vision of what wrestling should be. So. I think it's a no-brainer that especially Otis Dozovic, you know, has been as prominent and successful as they have been on main roster. Mm-hmm. Kudos to them. Lacey Evans um, is someone who, as reports suggest, that Vince McMahon is high on, that he's looking to push as uh, a top woman in the division, perhaps after WrestleMania, if Ronda Rousey leaves then, and there's a hole in the women's division. Do you, from what you've seen of her in NXT, do you see her as being able to handle that load from a character point of view and from an in-ring point of view? She came onto NXT, and there was a lot of doubts as to her capabilities. I remember seeing her on a house show a little bit more than a year ago and was not particularly blown away. And in the past year, she has absolutely transformed herself. She has uh, evolved her character to be extremely believable. She's bought in completely into it. She carries her character perfectly. Um, Her in-ring skills grew by leaps and bounds. If I'm going to make a comparison to anyone else in NXT, I'm going to compare her to Velveteen Dream um, in that she was able to just grow at a a tremendous rate. That is high praise. Uh, like, Like somebody just like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that she's equal to Dream, but you know, the same, similar transformation. Like when you first saw Dream, you're like snooze, and then you know he comes on, you're like, eh, these are some awkward promos, and then a month later, you're like, oh my goodness, who is this guy? And Lacey Evans, when she had a little bit of a layoff, and then she came back from that 
you know, just strengthening her character when she introduced her woman's right finisher. And she introduced a little bit more aggression and expanded her moveset so significantly. You realize that this is somebody with a very high wrestling IQ. Um, you know, you know, somebody like who was, who I'm not, I'm sorry, not saying this didn't mean anybody, but you know, somebody who's like a, a really smart little kid who just needs to have the right books put in front of them to become like Doogie Howser, right? Mm. And that's, that's Lacey Evans. She, she has a good wrestling IQ. She lacked the knowledge. She lacked the experience. She got those. And within months, she transformed herself into a very high quality wrestler in all the aspects that I evaluate a wrestler on. And I think maybe she's not going to fill a Ronda, Ronda Rousey shaped and sized hole on the roster, but she could definitely be a top, top tier heel. Mm-hmm. Um, and she carries herself well. I have a feeling that she'll be able to evolve and transform herself over the years so that she stays fresh and relevant. And I can also understand why, again, knowing Vince Kennedy McMahon, again, like most wrestling fans do, I can understand why he is high on her as well. She has the look that he's always liked um, in the female wrestling roster. And she has, you know, she's got an eagerness to, to, to do what's best for the company. And I think that she's, uh, I think she's got a good future. Moving on to EC3, his introduction, I think, has surprised me the most in a negative way. Uh, you know, they've, they've brought him in. They've not let him speak, basically. Uh, that's sort of the, the running gag with him right now. And... They had him trade wins with Dean Ambrose, and he beat Dean Ambrose. He lost to Dean Ambrose the next week, and then the very next week, Dean Ambrose gets squashed by, I think it was Drew McIntyre last week. So it seems like EC3 is being slotted right in the middle, maybe even a little lower, uh, given his physique and his character that he developed in, in Impact Wrestling and then, for the most part, carried over to NXT are you surprised that WWE hasn't taken more advantage of his talking skills, which is, you know, far superior to his in-ring skills at this point in his career? I think. I don't think I'm breaking any news with that. Are you surprised with with how his run has gone in the first few weeks since he's appeared? I think the I think the comparison that just about everybody makes to EC3 is Bobby Roode, somebody who's just got a ton of skills on the mic and whose in-ring is definitely above average, but not so far above average where, you know, you're saying, man, I can't wait to see the next Bobby Roode match. Boy, I can't wait to see the next EC3 match. EC3, and and trying not to drag up ancient history, but, you know, NXT, the original, the original incarnation of NXT, Derek Bateman was, bar none, my favorite person ever to go through the pre-Full Serial era of NXT, with the exception of um, AJ Lee and uh, Caitlin, yeah. who, I mean, we know the levels of success that they reached in a short period of time before they, you know, dropped off, dropped out of WWE. Derek Bateman was a great character. He had this great way of carrying himself in as EC3. I think that in NXT, he was struggling to find his character. He had just found his character in a way that made sense because they were never quite sure to run him as heel or face. 
and you know he's somebody where I don't need him to be you know amazing on the care on the on the in the ring. I just need him to be you know good to good you know good in the ring um and let their character carry through like like triple h triple h was never i thought i never saw a triple h match biting my you know biting my nails because of his work yeah um but his character i mean triple h as a character who that was a strong character and i think ec3 had that potential of being being someone you could connect with really strongly as a character has a good build so you you know you you buy into it physically and they're capable and competent in the ring and I don't know what they're thinking with him they've taken away the thing, the thing that can elevate him which is the mic time I don't know what they're thinking with him um, I don't know if they know how to use him but then again they clearly don't know how to use Bobby Roode either true uh, Nikki Cross she has continued with the sort of crazy character that she played in uh, in NXT. She was initially introduced by Sanity. However, th- since then, she has not been connected to that group on either Raw or SmackDown. Do you think at this stage it would help uh, Nikki Cross to be a part of Sanity? Or maybe it would help Sanity for Nikki Cross to be a part of Sanity, given how little airtime they've received lately. Do you think it would uh, help her and make more sense for her to be portrayed as part of that group? Yeah, I think it would be helpful uh, for her to be part of Sanity, for sure. Um, Because there's only so many minutes in a show, right? And if you've only got so many minutes in a show... You don't want to see see the bookers flipping a coin between Nikki Cross and Sanity. If you put them together, then it makes it a lot easier to pick that unit. I also think that Nikki Cross is part of Sanity, the way she, she participated in that group on NXT. I think she added a unique flavor to it. You know, you have this you have this female wrestler who is participating in the group beatdowns of a male opponent. Who, you know, is more, is not a valet. She's not a manager. She's a fully fledged, full functioning member of the group and she supports them in their quest to get championships and they support her in her quest to get championships. You know, when you see Nikki Cross coming out with, you know, Eric Young and Killian Dane in, in her corner, it was such a unique thing mm-hmm. and it really made them feel like a cohesive group and it elevated, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot about the women's evolution, revolution, whatever you want to call it. In the last few years, I think that Nikki Cross was a very underrecognized part of that, and that she was presented as someone who happened to be female, but ran with this group and was never treated any differently because of her gender. And I think that was a really important thing um, in what we've seen with the change in women's revolution, uh, women's wrestling. And I would really like to see her part of the group again because of that. And that's that's something you don't really see. You don't see a woman as part of an all-male faction on the main roster. You know, you have uh, Lana with Rusev and you have Zelina Vega with Andrade. But as far as a woman being with other men as part of a faction, you just don't see that. And it's especially relevant now because Degeneration X is being inducted into the Hall of Fame WrestleMania weekend this year, where China 
was mm-hmm. the female member of that organization. So I think that would make Nikki Cross stand out a little more to have her. And like you said, she was not treated any differently. You know, she was just treated as just another member of that group, which I, I think is a good thing. So I think that would make her stand out more by being the, the one woman who's associated with a, a group of, of men like that. Um, no, want, absolutely. That's a gr- that's a great catch with the China comparison. I, I want to ask you about Lars Sullivan. Uh, his debut has been held off for a number of weeks uh, due to reported anxiety issues. What role, if any, do you think Lars Sullivan will end up playing? Does he get you know when he's ready to go? Is he going to get slotted in right where WWE was planning on slotting him, which was rumored to be a WrestleMania match with John Cena? Or do they kind of start him at the bottom and make him work his way up and make him earn it? I suspect that given the recent rumors, if, if that is indeed the case, if the recent rumors are true that he's having mental health issues, and, and I don't even want to call it a mental health issue. Let's just call it a health issue, okay? Because it is, you know, cause that's what it is. Whether it's anxiety or he's got a bad knee, whatever the issue is, from everything we're hearing, it's a health issue, right? So if you had, so if you had a guy who, good prospects, and you know the, the slot he's destined for, assuming it all checks out, the slot he's destined for is the Big Show Mark Henry slot. Big guy who wins matches against the mid card, he gets put onto the main event to make someone else look credible, wins a championship, you know, twice in his career or something, right? goes in the rumble and everybody says he's the easy, easy favorite to win. Everybody teams up on him and throws him out. That's going to be Lars Sullivan. We've already seen it with Samoa Joe. Everybody loves Samoa Joe and they're like, oh, oh, he's being, no, he's not. He's being used exactly like every other big guy, guy his size has been used in WWE. It's irrelevant that he has some skills and talents that are unique to him that, you know, Big Show or Mark Henry didn't have. That's not the point. He's also not as big as Big Show, and he's not as strong as Mark Henry. Each of these guys has a unique thing to them. His is a little bit more agile and has a great motor. Smojo's in the exact same spot, and that's where Lars Sullivan's destined for. And if he had a really long, long, high, you know, match with John Cena at WrestleMania, then that to get him some credibility, that's where it would have gone. But if you've got a guy who's got who's destined for the Big Show slot. And they have a history of knee problems. You put him in the ring with John Cena at WrestleMania, you might want to hold back. You might not, might not want to burn that match mm-hmm. or that use of John Cena on somebody with a history of health problems, regardless of what that health problem is. You want to wait. You want to see. You want to make sure that their health problems are okay. When their health problems check out and you feel confident that the health problems are dealt with, whether it be the knee is bad, whether it be, you know, his emotional well-being and safety, then you move forward with them. We will talk briefly about, well, maybe not briefly, maybe at length, about the more recent call-ups, Champa Gargano <laughs> Black uh, and Ricochet in a moment. But first, we'll go to our first phone call. 515-605-9345 is the number to call if you'd like to talk to me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks, and my co-host this week, NXT specialist Justin James of PWTorch.com. So our first phone call is Ryan from Cumberland, Maryland. Ryan, good to talk to you again this week. What's your first question for us? Yeah, my first question is on uh, Paige Mizzy. I haven't seen it yet, but 
how accurate is it on the NXT part of the movie? Is it pretty fictitious or is it pretty uh, true informed of what actually happened before working uh, NXT? That is a good question, Ryan. I have not seen the movie yet, and I've tried to avoid reading too much about it so that I, that I can go in kind of with a fresh mindset when I look at it. So I, I even, haven't even heard. I would assume that they've taken certain liberties with the movie as far as that goes. Uh, that tends to happen in Hollywood. So I'm sure to discerning viewers like yourself, like myself, like Justin, who are weekly um, consumers of the NXT product, I'm sure we will see some of the, I don't want to say errors, but some of the liberties that the movie has taken. But remember, this is this is a wide release. You know, this is a big-time Hollywood movie that is shown not just to WWE and wrestling fans, but trying to capture a nationwide audience and truly a worldwide audience with this. So... The, the majority of moviegoers probably wouldn't notice those. Uh, Justin, I'm not sure if you've seen the movie yet. I know I'm planning on seeing it and uh, hopefully reviewing it for uh, an upcoming column in the Torch newsletter or have heard anything about the accuracy of the NXT portion of this movie. So, I... The last movie I saw in the theater was Mad Max Fury Road. That came out in 2015. Okay. <laughs> Before that, the last movie I saw in the theater was The Ring. <laughs> so what you're telling me you. is you, what you're no. telling me is you are not a frequent uh, moviegoer. I, I I don't actually. I think I did sit now. I saw one or two movies after The Ring, but yeah, I, I don't get out to the movies much. But here's the funny thing about this particular fighting with my family, uh, if I recall the name. I wrote it off based on you know, a couple months ago. They released like this couple minute snippet of Paige and her brother playing wide eyed fans asking The Rock a question. Right. And he cuts a promo on them. And I looked at that and said, "Oh my, this is like this is like a bi- this is like if they tried taking the Marine ninety three and made it a biopic. Is it biopic or biopic? Uh, either biopic. one's fine. And yeah, and, try, and I was just like, oh, this looks so cheesy, it looks so corny. I thought it was going to be one of these straight-to-DVD WWE releases. I didn't realize this thing was an actual, like, real legit movie, <laughs> and they actually real legit tried to make it good, and that it, was, it wasn't just that they had some retired wrestler. I mean, Shawn Michaels is in Marine Sex, right? It wasn't just that they had some retired wrestler in this thing, The Rock. They actually made a legit movie and had a legit theatrical release. I had no idea until I started hearing positive things about this movie. A lot of positive reviews. Yeah. So, I have not seen it. I am... Me and Paige... I I go into the mall once every, like, four years, and I was at the mall a couple months ago for some reason. And I actually stopped and looked at a hot topic because they had a picture of Paige up in the window. Like, Paige advertises. I'm just like a huge fan of Paige. Like, from the moment I laid eyes on the way she came into that ring and worked a match, huge Paige fan. So now that I know that this is not some corny Marine 93, I mean, Becky Lynch can't get me to watch Marine 6, I'll put it that way. (laughs) 
now that I know that this is not Marine 93, I am sorely tempted to try to find time in my busy schedule to get myself to a theater to watch Fighting With My Family. Wow. That is... You heard it here, folks. This is breaking news. Justin going to the theater, possibly, to watch a movie. Uh, a rare occurrence they'll indeed. Pro- they'll probably give me like a... Yeah, they'll probably give me like a police escort, or at the very least, we'll have to go in a caravan. Everybody has to I would hope headlights so. on. Rent a limo for the evening or something. Make it a real event. I could dress in a tuxedo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the sound of this. And there you go, Ryan. I'm, I'm sorry we couldn't be of any more help to you with that with that, with that answer. But if you call in, a, in another two weeks and ask me the exact same question, I'll have a better answer for you because I will have seen the movie by that point. Um, your second question for us tonight. Okay, second question might not any differently on this question, but how much do like the upper NXT wrestlers make like the old Team Dream and say Johnny Gargano and uh, Shane and Baszler make on a yearly basis? Is it six figures or is it well below that? I would. A lot of it is dependent upon your name value as an indie wrestler. Lately, especially what offers you have. You know, if you're Matt Riddle and you're coming to NXT and you've got offers from New Japan on the table, and I don't know that he did, but I know that that's been a discussion for a while, uh, you know, WWE may have to up their offer if they're competing against uh, another company like a New Japan um, or, you know, Impact or Ring of Honor or any, any other company like that. So I think the name indie wrestlers, no matter where they are on the card, even a Keith Lee, Probably makes more than, you know, the the mid level guys, um, and uh, you know I, I can't I can't I don't even want to speculate the the specific numbers because I don't want to end up being way off, but yeah I think the the guys that you've heard of before they've come to NXT uh, make uh, a, a pretty good figure I think in, in NXT at this point especially with the big uh, billion dollar TV deal and, and WWE not having to um, you know, pick pennies out of their couch to pay for NXT talent anymore. You know, they have the ability and the monetary budget to pay these guys a little better than what they may have been offering three years ago for a starting salary in NXT. Justin, I don't know if you have any other information that can shed light on this question. No, I think that um, I think that pay pay information is something that people really don't talk much about. I know that. Some of the wrestlers in the past have made it clear that they can get a better deal going on independent wrestling. I also suspect that the number of wrestlers who can do better, you know, doing the ROH or AEW, which is now starting up routine, I think the number of young bucks versus, say, Zack Ryder's is pretty low, right? Like, I I just don't think that, you know, if Zack Ryder were to go to AEW, that he's going to be making millions, Um I just don't think that's the case. But I do think that having this this uh, resurgence of independent wrestling lately, it's got to be paying off for NXT wrestlers coming in. And there has been some scuttlebutt that people are able to get stronger offers, stronger contracts, and so on because of the pressure that's coming from that direction. Yeah, and I will caution uh, people to uh, every once in a while some wrestling site will release monetary figures of how much wrestlers are making and usually they're way off. 
So if you ever come across a site that claims to have a list of WWE wrestler salaries, I wouldn't pay much attention to that. Uh, Ryan, your third and final question for us tonight. Final question is, which country do you see getting their own territory just like the UK has and think it'll be anytime soon, like in the next year or two, or you think that should be like another five or ten years from now? Well, the way WWE is building things up as far as hiring all these backstage workers, I think it could happen sooner rather than later. I, I don't know. It's probably not going to be every mm-hmm. three months they're going to open a new territory, but even if they do one per year, that seems like a lot, you know. I think they'd like to do, you know, they've got the one in uh, the U.K. I know the the next one they're eyeing is India. Uh, I think they'd like mm-hmm. to get one done somewhere in Asia. I don't know if that would be Japan, China, or, or wherever, but uh, even somewhere just NXT Asia and in, in taking from that continent in general um, would would help. And, of course, India, you know, being part of that. Um other than you know South America, you look that that's a a place they could look. I don't know if they would look in Mexico specifically or or what, but um, uh, you know it. There are a lot of options, um, and so I think you know India being one of them, South America being the second one. Those would be the two big places that I would look, and then either you know China, Japan, that area as well. Um, Justin, am I missing anything there? No, I, I I think if you look at, I think it, I think the, I think the leading indicator is actually who are they where. If you want to know what markets WWE thinks are strong markets, look at where they're getting wrestlers from for NXT. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you and I both agree that India, there's, there's been a lot of, you know, the, WWE is popular in India. And, I mean, they kept great Kali around long past his expiration in no small part because of his ability to attract, you know, that market. And I think that a strong portion of the Jinder Mahal push last year was the Indian market. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that your next one's going to be NXT India. And then after that, I think China. But they may try to cover China with India. Yeah. Uh, but the Chinese market, due to due to the way the government regulates the media, the internet, and so on in China, I think that even if, for a lot of reasons, covering China with India would make sense in a vacuum, I think that the realities of dealing with the Chinese government may force them to do China separately and then think about South America or Central America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there are a lot of options, and it'll be very interesting to see where they go. I think they're going to go. They're going to try and go where there's a lot of people. That's the bottom line. Not only because there's more potential talent to draw from in theory, but there are also more potential fans. And if you get uh, talent that is local, fans will even by local, I just mean that country. Uh, fans, it will give fans mm-hmm. a reason to watch. And I think that's the more eyeballs they can get, the better. Yeah, I mean, if, when you think about it, you've got, you know, you look what happened with NXT UK where they had Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, Trent Seven get the attention on the British Strong style, and then they use them as the, as the cornerstones of NXT UK. And if you were to take that and, you know, stretch that another couple of years, you're going to see like Xia Li, 
um, Kyrie Sane, Io Shirai as the foundations of something happening in Asia, in Eastern Asia, whether it be Japan or China. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Ryan, thanks for the call this evening, and look forward to hearing from you again soon. Okay, thanks for taking it. So Ryan from Cumberland, Maryland, drops off, 515-605-9345. Justin, I want to move to the latest set of NXT call-ups to hit the main roster this past week. And uh, to intro that topic, I'll go to the mailbag, email WNIALivecast at gmail.com. Anytime you see something on Raw, SmackDown, NXT that that you've got a question about or that you've got a reaction to, send us an email uh, at that address, and we will read it and discuss it on air, especially helpful during uh, pay-per-views. I know a lot of people watch the pay-per-views but can't stay up late to call in to our after show, our Wrestling Night in America that goes on after the pay-per-view. So if you're watching the pay-per-view and have something you want to comment on, WNIALivecast at gmail.com, and we'll get to that during the show. But this one is from JB. It says, hi, Greg and uh, co-host. This is JB with the surprise call-ups of Alistair Black, DIY, and Ricochet. What do you think this means for the road to WrestleMania and Mania itself? How does this affect potential planned matchups, and what are some pros and cons to this decision? Thanks again. So, Justin, I'll throw this one to you. WrestleMania, we, we kind of – I know I did this after the Royal Rumble. I wrote a column in the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter, and I looked at the roster, and I looked at potential WrestleMania matchups and tried to plug in – and, and predict the WrestleMania card, as I always do in my column after the Rumble. How much do these additions shake up the WrestleMania card? Well, for one thing, we don't know. I, I think I think we can make a strong case that Ricochet and Aleister Black are here to stay. I think that we can make a less strong case that Ciampa and Gargano are here to stay unless the payoff and the reason for the introduction is that they're going to wrap up all their unfinished business on the WrestleMania stage instead of the takeover uh, the day before WrestleMania. If that's what we're going to see here is Ciampa Gargano for the NXT title or something like that at WrestleMania – then this will be a huge moment. If what we're going to see is Ciampa Gargano headed towards the WrestleMania stage, um, I don't think it's going to shake up the weekend. That feels like a, like saying that happens in hour one of the, of the, of the pre-show, you know, uh, I think it put in the Andre, the giant battle Royale or something. Um, so I don't sense you have a lot black, of confidence black. in these guys at, at playing a big role in WrestleMania. Yeah, the reason why I don't is because the, the main roster is already so packed with talent. You know, it's just it's packed with talent. We're we're likely going to see something with Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, um, unless he, you know, you're going to see probably Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar. Or you're going to see Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar. We're probably going to see Shane McMahon versus The Miz. Um, you know, you now have three tag team title belts to be defended. You've got an Andre the Giant Battle Royale to occur, which may or may not happen on the pre-show. You've just got so much going on. Where do you fit in 
Gargano and Ciampa, where do you, you know, who need like well, they're, 30 they're minute matches? Well, they're filling about eight hours of television, so hopefully they'll be able to find time for some of these guys. Yeah, so I mean, that, that, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. Is, is, is you can you can fit these guys into WrestleMania Sunday, but they may not appear in the event known as WrestleMania to those who are sitting down at home at 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. Yeah. Eastern. Um, you, you kind of already touched on this, but assuming Tommaso Ciampa's call-up to the main roster is permanent, and it's it certainly, you know, my first impression was, oh, cool, they'll call these guys up for a week or so, and then, you know, just to change things up, but given the way the announcers talked, it seemed like these were permanent call-ups. If that's the case, what does this mean for Tommaso Ciampa's NXT title reign? You know, Johnny Gargano lost his... North American title to Velveteen Dream on NXT television, so he's no longer got that NXT commitment if he is a full-time main roster member now, but what of Tommaso Ciampa and the NXT title? That's scary because the the only person who was really billed at being at that level was Velveteen Dream, who just got the North American championship. And Aleister Black, who's getting called up, and we all felt that his run was done in NXT. So I think that what you're going to see is Adam Cole as NXT champion. Wow. I think I think that's the only. I think he's the only one left uh, in NXT with any kind of seniority and who you could trust to carry a championship right now. Okay, interesting prediction. That's uh, he's certainly an option. Uh, Cole is. If these guys get called up, Cole is one of the biggest names in NXT and someone who I think can carry that brand into uh, WrestleMania season and beyond. Um, with this latest set of call-ups coming so quickly on the heels of the other set of call-ups, and the, the main difference being, okay, Heavy Machinery, Lacey Evans, that group had weeks of vignettes that aired before they debuted. It seemed like WWE... This was a long time coming. You know, they had a long time to plan these debuts. Say what you will about how they've been utilized since then, but it seemed like WWE was using some forethought in calling these guys up. Here, Ricochet, Ciampa, uh, Black, and Gargano, they're called up with zero notice. Um, is the, do you, do you, does this seem like a panic move by WWE to you? I thought about that, and I too thought it was a panic move until I looked at the taping timing um, and realized that Gargano had dropped the title to Dream like three or four weeks before that call-up. I mean, maybe three or four weeks could be considered a panic, um, but when you consider the notice that they, you know, they put vignettes out for, you know, that previous group for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. So they, they knew that they were calling these guys up. Uh, they, they had they had the title drop to Dream. They did this weird filming two tapings thing, presumably to throw people off because they didn't want anyone to realize that Gargano was going to the main roster. Um, the one, the, really, the one confusing part to me on that taping schedule is that Alistair Black did not job out to Roderick Strong mm-hmm. on the most recent episode of NXT. To me, that was a bit confusing because. It's a long-held tradition that you, you you do a job on your way out to pass the torch for credibility, mm-hmm. especially with a guy like Black who's got, like I think, two singles losses 
on his record. Yeah, that's that's a strong endorsement. So that that was a little bit headstrong. But I think if you look at the timing, they knew they knew something was going to happen. They knew it was going to happen. And I will say that the the, now, the title change with Dream and Gargano, they did film two uh, endings to that. They did film an ending where Dream won the title, which is the one that ended up being. Uh, that aired on Wednesday, but they also filmed one with Gargano retaining the title. So I'm not sure if that was yep. if it was still up in the air at that time whether Gargano was going to be called up, and, and Triple H and NXT wanted to cover their bases just in case it happened. Uh, but you know, mm-hmm. it is still a hint in that direction that maybe at least even then the WWE was thinking about calling him up. Yeah, and the other thing too. Um yeah, but the, the, the other thing, though, is I think I think the real thing that says maybe it's panic button isn't that it feels like it was last second, like oh, you know, we had no no hint, but it's how close it is to the previous set of calls. That to me is what screams panic more than anything else because you you question why now? Mm-hmm. You just did call ups. The timing is horrible. You do you you do call ups, you know, either right around the rumble and introduce them in the rumble. Or you do call-ups after WrestleMania, preferably on the Raw after WrestleMania. Doing call-ups after Elimination Chamber makes no sense. It is is a totally bizarro call-up timing. Yeah, it is strange, and especially with it being... Um, WrestleMania season, and now you, if these call-ups are permanent, you have to figure out how, if at all, these guys will be utilized on the WrestleMania card. But not only that, you're sort of taking away, and there's nothing to say they can't appear there, but it would be odd for them to be on the main roster for a month, month and a half, and then they wrestle at TakeOver. Because the WrestleMania TakeOver is usually the biggest TakeOver of the year. And now you may be left without guys like Ricochet, uh, Gargano, and Aleister Black, who are three of the biggest names on NXT. I don't know about Ciampa because he's still the the champion. So he may still find a way to drop the title at the NXT TakeOver WrestleMania weekend. But that remains to be seen. It's just weird timing. You know, the timing just seems off for this. Uh, Other than that, though, I mean... It would feel so unsatisfying. It would Go ahead. so unsatisfactory for Ciampa to lose that title at anything other than TakeOver WrestleMania yeah. unless they save it for TakeOver Brooklyn in the fall. And that doesn't really make sense if he's a main roster member for that long with the NXT title. Uh, that's just no, not how they've done things. So, um, you know, all that aside, panic move or not, I think we can safely say that the four of these men – had more successful first weeks than the other set of call-ups who we, we've already talked about. Um, you know, Champa and uh, and Gargano winning on um, SmackDown over the bar and then having a, a successful debut on Raw as well. Aleister Black beating Andrade on SmackDown and uh, Ricochet being a big part of a tag team match with Finn Balor winning there. Uh What's your take on on the first week Raw and SmackDown of these guys and uh, where they may go from here? No, I, th- I think it's great. Um, I, I think it's great that these guys have been presented like this. Um, I think that if you're going to do this thing, and I'm going to say the word hot shot again because this really feels like a hot shot, but if you're going to hot shot, this is about as good as it gets. 
Yeah, and I, 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 it does feel like a hot shot. It does feel like, you know, and, and that can be sort of related to if you believe this was a panic move by WWE or Vince McMahon or creative or what have you. But I, I'm certainly heartened after the first week to see these guys all victorious in their matches, to see on SmackDown the crowd reaction they got because Raw was rough. You know, Lafayette, Louisiana did not give these guys the time of the time of day. To be fair, that crowd didn't give almost anyone the time of day. And SmackDown was a much more successful, uh, I don't want to say reset because it's only one day later, but uh, debut after the debut, I guess, uh, the more proper debut with a, a crowd who reacted better to these guys. So um, I, I'm heartened can, by can that. Can you imagine being... But can you imagine being like EC3 right now, how you feel? Well, you know, th- th- that's the funny thing, though. The call-ups who were in that first wave were all lower on the NXT totem pole than these four guys. You know, EC3, he visited the top of NXT when he first debuted, but Black, Ricochet, Gargano, and Champa are all pretty clearly one or two rungs ahead of him on the NXT roster, so... It makes sense that when they moved to WWE, they would keep that hierarchy. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, yeah, let's um, let's move to uh, our second call. This will be, I believe, Kenny from Tennessee. Kenny, is that you? Yes, it is, and I must say that you and Justin are having a real good show. I love all this uh, NXT talk, and it's been really interesting to see the the direction of where they're going with NXT as far as, obviously, all the quote-unquote call-ups. And I'm somewhat skeptical on just that alone in the sense that I feel like at this point in time, NXT is feeling more like a really good, smaller version of what we see on Raw and SmackDown. And I guess my question, and I'll throw this to you, Justin, is considering we did have some releases with TJP and Hideo Itami, do you see a scenario where the 205 Live might merge with NXT and just maybe open the door for possibly a two-hour version of NXT, or do you think they'll just keep it where it is at this point? I think they're going to keep it where it is. And Oh, good to meet you, Kenny. Um, I'm glad you're enjoying the show so far. Um, I think they're going to keep it where it is. I think that, you know, Deo Tommy, I, I don't, I don't really keep track of, um, 205 Live, but Hideo Tommy never blew my doors off, um, when he was on NXT. I just never felt like he, I felt like he was one of these guys that, um, came in with a lot of fanfare. And I don't know if he held back. I don't know if it was a booking issue. I don't know what it was. But I really felt like this guy's best feud was against the Ascension, and that's never what you want to call your best feud. Um, he, he never blew me away, so I, I don't think that the loss of him is going to is going to be a big blow to 205. I think that 205, from everything I hear about it, um, I actually really want to see Johnny Gargano go to 205 to give people a really good reason to watch 205. You know, I think if Johnny Gargano was going to make an impact on any show, I don't think it's going to be Raw. I think it would have been 205 Live. 
I will say though that um, it, it is good to see Ricochet debuting on Raw and SmackDown and on the main roster and not NXT because I know there was some talk when he first signed with WWE that oh he'll just end up on 205 Live, and that was a fear uh, that a lot of people had that he would just end up uh, you know he would be too small for Vince McMahon to. Um, take seriously, even though he's about the same size as Finn Balor, to take seriously as a main roster member, or that WWE would want a strong central character, kind of like Justin is arguing for Johnny Gargano, a strong central character to draw people to 205 Live, and he would sort of get wasted on there. So it is nice to see Ricochet being called up and and have a meaningful Role at least that's how it looks the first week on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, Kenny, back to you for a response to Justin there. No, I mean I totally agree with that. That that kind of does make sense. You know, they do need something that's sort of an anchor because you know right now Buddy Murphy is just you know he is the heel champion, but he really has no real strong baby faces to challenge. You know, Ricochet could have been it, but it would have been almost like the talent wasted. And I think Gargano. You know, as the guy that is you know, your typical baby hate that um, can get his well up and coming, but still comes back and takes some out of there, that would be definitely a good place for him. So that's a good analogy there. But what I really want to talk about and really why I want to call in is um, I guess we can say rumor and innuendo is a fact. Bruce Pritchard is back in the WWE. I just cannot believe it. You know, when I first heard the news, and that he starts on Monday, and, you know, he's going to be involved, and apparently he's going to be answering to Vince McMahon, of all things. And I assume that there's a tie-in with the Arn Anderson release in that sense that, you know, we have to have someone to fill spots like, gosh, dang, pal, you know, i got to keep the PG, you know, let's call Bruce and see if he's available. And it's just amazing to see just the phenomenal comeback that, He's had to now where he's in charge, and I'll even throw an NXT side of things. Now that he's in, and considering his work in MLW as senior producer and all the young talent, do you see a scenario where Bruce Pritchard would have more or less of a say involving NXT, or would he just focus on Raw, SmackDown, and 205 Live? Well, from the sounds of it, and this was a PW Insider report that uh, first reported Bruce Pritchard being rehired by WWE, that uh, it sounds like he's going to be a main roster guy and a pretty heavily involved main roster creative force. I, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. You know, he's a guy who's been in and out of WWE for a long time. Uh, he's a guy that Vince McMahon is comfortable with. And in times of trouble and strife, you go back to you surround yourself with people that you're comfortable with. And I think that's something that Vince McMahon is doing here. But it, it is, there's a lot of, there's a creative shakeup. You know, Art Anderson, who's been with the company since the WCW purchase in 2001, so we're going on 18 years now, uh, was let go this past week. Um, you know, he was a little more expendable, I guess, with the, the hiring of all the other agents, with uh, Abyss and Sanjay Dodd and, um, Hurricane and, and guys like that who've come in over the last several weeks and months. Um, you know, then you've got the release of TJP, Ty Dillinger, you get Bruce Pritchard being brought aboard. So, you know, Justin, I guess I'll reframe the question this way, and you can answer Kenny's question about, you know, the potential of Bruce Pritchard as helping in NXT as well. But the, this was a question I wanted to get to later on the show. The, the hiring of Pritchard, the hiring of all the other agents, is this, um, 
WWE just trying to add as many creative minds as they can during a time where they are somewhat creatively bankrupt? Or is this WWE just trying to hoard potential creative minds to keep them away from AEW, to keep them away from a a possible uh, New Japan making inroads in America and perhaps wanting to get some American influence in there? Uh, keeping them away from MLW and, and any other possible competitors to them. So is this WWE being proactive and trying to help themselves creatively, or are they being reactive and just trying to hoard potential talent that other companies might want? I think that it's a bit of both. I think that one thing that's gone on with the AEW situation plus with Triple H getting more prominent yeah, Triple H said when when they talked about bringing on these other guys, he said, you know, I'm trying to make sure that there's that there's life after in ring. I don't think those were his exact words, but that was definitely the the meaning, right? He's saying, you know, I want to help change this industry so that there's a career path after you're in ring, so you're not sitting there doing the convention circuit, you know, shaking hands and signing eight by tens for ten bucks a pop. Uh, you know, it's just really depressing when you think about it. You know, you see all these Virgils out there. It's depressing. I was at a dinky little local comic convention, and to put it into perspective, I live outside Columbia, South Carolina. I was just there to see, you know, have a good time with my kids, and it was, you know, uh, Ron Simmons and, uh, and, uh, oh goodness, Teddy Long was there and Sergeant Slaughter. And it was depressing, you know? It was depressing to me that these guys are standing around. Nobody knows who they are, and they're signing, you know, pictures for ten bucks or whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it was just sad. So, so, so if Triple H wants to help give these folks a place to work, I'm all for it. Uh, and I, I don't have any reason to doubt that's part of the motivation. I mean, do you, does anyone here really see Abyss as such a strong wrestling mind that you would hire him on to keep him out of AEW? I don't. <laughs> Well, I, you know, it's hard to say without knowing what he was responsible for backstage and impact, but I know that, that he had gotten high marks for uh, his work there because he worked a lot behind the scenes there in impact. Um, Justin, I, I want to throw to you the, the Kenny question before we move back to Kenny about Bruce Pritchard and um, the possibility that he interacts with NXT in some capacity. I know the reports are that he's going to be Vince's right-hand man or something to that effect. Um, but do you see him, with all of his years of experience, do you see him being able to lend something to NXT as well? I think Triple H so far has been building NXT to be his group of people he feels comfortable with. You know, he brought in Shawn Michaels. Um, would this be, you know, would Triple H be willing to play ball with Bruce Burchard? I don't know. Bruce doesn't I, that, seem like a Triple H guy. To. You know, and, and I think that's I yeah. think the point you're making is a good one that Triple H has worked to surround himself with um, guys that he has handpicked. Triple H guys. Yeah, well, they're, they're known as Triple H guys now. Yeah, um, and and I, it's almost like there's this the shadow, not shadow government, but the shadow creative team. That if Vince McMahon something were to happen to Vince McMahon tomorrow, Triple H would be able to move in creatively with his team, with his agents, and be able to step right in. I mean, that's that's kind of how it feels at this point, um, that Triple H has built up this 
this roster. Now, not everybody would move from NXT to WWE to the main roster. You know, some would have to stay behind in NXT, but it does feel like he is lining up his guys for when he's ready to take over. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I, I think I, I, I just don't see Triple H just whine. I just don't see him whine to leverage a Vince McMahon hire just because Vince McMahon hired him. Um, Kenny, back to you. Well, that is kind of true in that sense. You know, and there is that. If you ever listen to his podcast, he's definitely a pro Triple H. And I don't real. It, it was really so much a Vince McMahon hire as much as it was Maven, someone, you know, that sort of like signs off for him. But still, anyway, it is interesting that they are signing him. And obviously, it wouldn't surprise me that they go after other people as well. You know, I dare say it, but, you know, Eric Bischoff maybe or even... Vince Russo to an extent, I don't know, but, uh, you know, it does sound true that they are keeping guys like Pritchard away from AEW in the sense that, you know, he's only 56, so he's still got a lot of more years left in him to where he can still contribute in a modern sense. And as we, and I listen to his podcast regularly, he is definitely a guy that's very smart. And if anybody's going to be able to listen to him, it's either going to be Triple H or Vince McMahon. In a lot of ways, he's kind of like, you know, the Speaker of the House. You know, if you go by how things are ordered, you know, the President is down, the Vice President, and then it goes to the Speaker of the House. That's Bruce Pritchard's role, and it's sort of a good fit for him at this point. And he knows how to pitch to Vince McMahon. He knows how to interact creatively with Vince McMahon to you know, and, and that sort of thing. It is a learned process in WWE creative, and, and he knows the ropes. And, and I think that's important to have in a time of, I don't know what to call it, creative unrest, I guess, inside WWE, with a lot of wrestlers now asking for their release, not happy with creative. So it is important to have somebody like that on board. Uh, Kenny, do you have anything else for us tonight? Well, since we are talking about AEW in the sense, and I do have to ask Justin this question is, you know, if they ever do get big, do you see them potentially doing what WWE has done with NXT? Like, let's just say 20 years down the road, or do you think that they will just continue where they are in the essential future and just build on relationship with other promotions? Because I think that that... What WWE has done with NXT is in the case is that you don't necessarily have to partner with you Japan. All you gotta do is sit essentially be smart as far as signing talent and then you just hope that it works as it should. You see AEW coming up with their own little version of NXT. Do you think that's something that that would be a possibility for them or should they just form what they're doing now with CMLL and et cetera? I think that what NXT has proved more than anything else, you know, in this in relationship to this question, is that if you're going to be as big as WWE, something like NXT, rather than counting on the feeder system of an OVW or an FCW, which is what they had before NXT, it can be a real success. I mean, if you look at if you look at the relationship, NXT has gotten so big. That, you know, the, the quality of the people appearing on NXT is much higher than it was five years ago, uh, you know, in terms of the no-namers. And now they're using Evolve the way they were using NXT five years ago. 
And so I think that, you know, if you're AEW, your long term might be to have something like NXT as, you know, an internet only show where there's less pressure, less stress, more ability to make mistakes. It's a pre tape in front of a, an audience that just absolutely loves you and is very smart to the product. Um, you know, all these factors combine to make NXT a really good show. And despite the fact that the talent often is less experienced, and so I think that AEW would be stupid to not consider it. It's something where you almost have to you have to see what the AEW product is going to look like first before you can really determine what they're going to do two, three, four years out. And I think the other thing of importance is Cody Rhodes has mentioned this a number of times. AEW is going to be open to working with anyone. Uh, in any independent company, and WWE has been more open to working with other companies. Evolve is one uh, example, but for the most part, they are very—they're a very closed company. And for that purpose, NXT serves the purpose that other indies would serve for AEW, um, where AEW wants to be friends with everybody and wants to be able to draw on talent from this company and this company and this company. WWE wants to do that only with its own homegrown company, which is NXT. So I think the idea of an NXT for AEW becomes less important if they can, and it's going to be difficult, but if AEW can keep these lines of communication open with other companies and be able to procure talent from all over the world from these relationships like OWE in China um, and, and, and Mexico and places like that, I think having its own NXT becomes less important when you can supplement your main roster with um, with other talent from other companies. And one more thing um, about NXT is part of the idea of NXT is to train guys to wrestle WWE style. And I know that's kind of – it's not as big of a talking point as it was two or three years ago, but NXT is partly to train guys how to wrestle, how to – uh, create a character in a WWE-ized environment. And I don't think AEW has that. There's not going to be an AEW style if, if you know, what the Young Bucks and Cody and Kenny Omega have said uh, before is true and, and given their track record, they're going to want people of all different styles and all different backgrounds and, and a mix of that. So there isn't going to be this AEW style where they have to train guys to cut promos or they have to train guys to wrestle a certain way and, and things like that. So... Um, again, NXT, the idea of an NXT-like arm of AEW then becomes less important. Uh, Kenny, uh, any other comments tonight? No, I think you guys pretty much summed it up. And uh, like I said, you guys are really having a good show so far. I'm definitely I'm excited about Monday night and seeing what happens with uh, Roman Reigns and see how the show is going to feel under the watchful eyes of brother love so you guys have a good rest of the night thanks kenny always appreciate your phone call you too and um justin we haven't yet talked about roman reigns return to raw it's a pretty big deal um he he is returning this week to address uh, where he is in his recovery from leukemia uh, there was an Instagram post by a, a trainer who noted he was training Reigns to uh, make his return to the ring. 
without, you know, it's just speculation at this point, but could you see a scenario where Roman Reigns returns at WrestleMania? And if so, who would he wrestle? So I can't speculate on Roman Reigns' health. Um, I know that leukemia is one bad mother of a disease. I know that. Um, see multiple family members fight with it. So, you know, from what I've seen, um, you know, if Roman Reigns is ready to come back into the ring already, I'm extraordinarily happy for him, you know, on a, on a person person level that he's able to get through that treatment, be disease free, get his strength back and get back to the ring. That is amazing for him. Um, what do you slot him in? Maybe put him in a match against Cena. Uh, that Lars is uh, on the shelf. You know, I don't know. Um, there's not... Hate him or love him, Roman Reigns had become, don't make me say it, the top dog in the company. Ah, you, you know, said that's it. That's where he was, top dog. <laughs> I did. He, he, he has become top dog in the company next to, uh, next to Brock. Um, you know, he was... Love him or hate him, carrying Monday Night Raw for a while. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I I think you know, do you put him in the ring? You know, as long as you're sure that he's good to go in the ring, you know, where he's not going to get hurt, where you know, because I know that all those treatments and stuff can do a number on your body in all sorts of ways that may not be obvious. As long as he's good to go in the ring, and you don't feel that putting him in a match will significantly jeopardize his health. Put him in against Cena. Yeah. You know that Cena, Cena, if there's one thing that you can say about Cena, he's a very safe worker. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't Cena's have to be a, a long match. You know, we he's saw extremely Cena, better. We saw Cena Taker was very short last year. Yeah, that was like a three minute match. I mean, Cena, Cena, Cena landed, I think, one punch and then jobbed out to yeah. Undertaker. It was incredible. He, he he weighed like one punch, and then Undertaker hit, his, hit all his signature moves and pinned him. It was right. incredible. Um, yeah, so so maybe maybe do a five minute a five minute uh, Cena Undertaker uh, Cena Cena Reigns match something yeah. you know just just to get him on, get them both some screen time. I don't know. Um, they haven't started under- advertising Undertaker at all, have they? No, he's taking outside bookings, and it doesn't seem like there's really anything set up for him for WrestleMania this year. Yeah, I heard something about Vince being annoyed with him over him showing up at some like Starcast, I believe, or something that was a like, yeah, like like adjacent to AEW, but I, I don't know the exact detail. It was one of those things I, I heard as a rumor like last week, long after the fact, but yeah. I don't know. It just occurred to me that you haven't heard the name Undertaker in a while, and normally all you hear right now is Undertaker, Undertaker, Undertaker. And to be honest, I would be completely satisfied with him not being at WrestleMania this year. End of an era for sure, but I would rather that than to shoehorn him into a match at Mm -hmm. WrestleMania that, you know, just to get him on the card, taking the place of, you know, a ricochet or somebody like that who, you know, would mm-hmm. otherwise would otherwise have a match. I, I think, you know, I there, he's, he's 
his usefulness, I think, on the main roster is just about reached its end, in my opinion. And I think hey, it reached its end about five years ago. Yeah, you could um, you could make that argument, but you know, it's it's heck of a career, uh, surefire mm-hmm. Hall of Famer. Um, but I would be totally okay with him not being on WrestleMania this year. Maybe pop maybe pop Roman Reigns in against Kevin Owens. Tom Nolan's is supposed to be coming back. You know, he's got vignettes now. Is it more of a babyface vignette, though? I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if you want him against... Making your, kid fetch you, making, your kid, making your kid fetch you movie snacks is a babyface move? Well, his promo that he was cutting about how, you know, he had know, time off to look and, you know, things like that. I, that was definitely more babyface, and the rumor is, you know, possibly facing Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania for the WWE title, which... Uh, you know, Kevin Owens as the common man, the every man against Daniel Bryan, who is uh, has taken this uh, this eco friendly character to a new level. I think that's the story that oh, would that makes fit. so much. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Owens is like this 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 the face of America. This Hank Hill, not Hank yeah. Hill. Um, I said, am I getting? Am I, I getting mean, King of the Hill mixed up with Goodfellas? <laughs> which one's Henry Hill and which one's Hank Hill? Hank Hill is King of the Hill. Okay, that's what I mean. Not, okay. not Henry Hill, not Goodfellas. Oh, okay. Not not uh, not 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 Liotta. Um, yeah. For, well, I mean, for like you could say you Hill. could say for a Simpsons reference, you could say like Kevin Owens is is Homer Simpson and um, Daniel Bryan yeah. is his mortal exactly. enemy Frank Grimes. So I, uh, you know, that uh, we're we're yeah, uh, like, we're yeah. Grimes. Grimes. Exactly. Kevin Owens is like this Homer Simpson. Yeah. And, Grimes can't believe that everybody loves Homer Simpson, and you know they'll cheer Kevin Owens and Daniel Bryan. Be like, why are you cheering this man? He's you know this slovenly um, you know slug, and here I am, and I'm trying to teach you guys how to you know save the environment, and you guys are booing me, and that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, because we're seeing vignettes of him eating like like eating like a Big Mac or something, and like drinking soda. And bowling, uh, Homer Simpson had his own bowling team. I mean, it's, it makes sense. They could have a they could have a feud over plastic straws. <laughs> it's possible. It could go plastic in that straws direction. Straws on a pole match. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh, okay, we better stop right now because <laughs> Vince. You know, with with Bruce Pritchard being rehired, you know, Vince Russo is sitting by his phone waiting for that call, and uh, you know, we don't want him to do too much damage with the uh, with the poll matches. So I'm going to move our discussion to fast lane in two weeks. Only if two you, matches. If you want to wreck, a- <laughs> if you want to beat AEW, convince him to hire Vince Russo. Yeah, I, something tells me. Um, there's enough creative minds in there that, that they don't need Vince Russo's fingerprints on that product. So uh, I, I think it would take a lot of convincing to do that. Uh, Fastlane has two matches announced so far. The Usos versus McMiz for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. And Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston for the WWE title. Uh, we have a question, another email question from JB. And this was, I think, sent before SmackDown this week, so it may not be 100% relevant, but I think there are some parts that we can use as a jumping-off point. He says, uh, with Kofi Kingston being highlighted over SmackDown Live and Elimination Chamber the last few weeks, I get the feeling we might get him versus Daniel Bryan at Mania for the title. If this is the way we are headed, I think that I have a good way to get there. 
because Fastlane is the bridge between now and Mania, I think that we might have the New Day versus a faction of Brian, Rowan, and Harper at the pay-per-view. That would be Fastlane. The stipulation will be if New Day wins, Kofi gets the world title match at Mania, and obviously, in my theory, New Day wins the match. Do you think this this is a possibility? And either way, do you think this is a good way to spend time between now and April while culminating at WrestleMania? As always, love the show and look forward to hearing your thoughts. JB, as always, thank you for the email. So we know that it is, in fact, going to be Kofi versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE title, but... Last week, when I did the Elimination Chamber post-show, there were people calling in suggesting uh, New Day versus Brian, Rowan, possibly Harper, possibly someone else at Fastlane to be the bridge to get to Brian versus Kofi at WrestleMania. Would you have preferred to see a six-man tag at Fastlane to get to Brian versus Kofi, or do you not see Brian versus Kofi as a WrestleMania WWE title match and are satisfied with them doing the singles match at Fastlane? I'm not a big fan of a tag match leading to a singles title match as a principle. I think it feels weird. Um, I think that it would have worked in this particular case because if you look at all the way that, you know, Xavier Woods and Biggie have been treating Kobe Kingston, um, on show, on, on the actual show, on Twitter and so on, it's, it's, we are supporting you because this has been 11 years for you and you've earned this. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think that's a very powerful story. You know, if you look at New Day as a team, I think it works with New Day as a team because they've been a team for what, like five years now. Um, yeah, they've been a team for a ridiculous amount of time by WWE standards, and, and there's no teams with more longevity than them except for the Usos. And I think it would totally work uh, in this particular case to have that kind of scenario to have, you know, even if maybe what you see is you see in the next, you know, in the next couple of weeks before Fastlane, you see Rowan and maybe Harper or somebody else continuing to interfere in in the business and then they teddy long it up for Fastlane, have New Day go over in order to get to Brian versus Kofi at WrestleMania, which would feel like such a fresh matchup because it is a fresh matchup. Against, you know, this, this total red meat baby face who everybody's loved for how many years? And putting him in that match, yeah, I think that's, I think getting them on to, getting them to WrestleMania some way, somehow, I think that's a no brainer. Hmm. All right. Even so, if it just means that he, even if it just means that he wins the title at Fastlane and then Daniel Bryan gets his rematch, oh, I've got no rematches. Well, that isn't stopping the Usos versus Shane McMahon and The Miz, who get a rematch for the SmackDown tag titles at Fastlane. So uh, I don't think it's intent to eliminate rematches. I think it's just meant to eliminate automatic rematch clauses. So there will be rematches sometimes, but not all the times like we're used to. Boo. Lame. Ah, well. Uh, it is it is WWE storytelling, so... <laughs> Um, uh, Monday Night Raw this week, we do have Roman Reigns returning, as we've talked about. It is also the 70th birthday celebration for Ric Flair. Uh, Justin, does Becky Lynch get involved in that? Um, I sure hope so. Are we going to see Becky Lynch yeah. beat up Ric Flair? Well, I mean, I don't know about that, but you, also, you almost have to think she gets involved in some way. 
Are we going to see Becky Lynch take a crutch to Ric Flair? This is what I need to know, Greg Parks. Well, you'll, in order to find out, tune in to Monday Night Raw, 8 p.m. Eastern on the USA Network. Please don't do this to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't give me reasons to watch Raw. No, DV, uh, DVR, watch Becky it on, on delay. In this. I, I, it is incredible to me that after the last couple years of incre- – the last – Ten years of incredibly awful storylines. Um, if you were to rank like the last, the top five stories of the last five years, two of them are going on right now: Champa Gargano and Becky Lynch versus the World. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. What does that say? Somebody's finally figuring out something. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's it, it doesn't permeate the rest of the show you know the these storylines are almost on an island under themselves yeah it's like like they have like it's like they have a writer dedicated to becky lynch versus charlotte and versus ron this whole thing and it's just working yeah uh those two th- items are all we have announced for Raw this week. Last week, of course, Triple H introed the NXT talent. Braun Strowman defeated Baron Corbin in a tables match. That was a somewhat of a rematch from the previous night's Elimination Chamber match, the no DQ match between those two. Ricochet and Finn Balor defeated Lashley and Leo Rush in tag action. Lindsay Dorado and Grand Metalik over Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. DIY defeated the Revival. Kevin Owens, another uh, promo video for him. Drew McIntyre defeated Dean Ambrose, Aleister Black over Elias, and Ronda Rousey over Ruby Riot on SmackDown this week. Uh, Ricochet and Aleister Black team up to take on Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. Johnny Gargano in singles action against Cesaro, and there will be a contract signing for the Kofi Kingston-Daniel Bryan match at Fastlane. WWE title is on the line. Last week, the opening segment set up the tag title rematch that we'll be seeing at Fastlane. Uh, Alistair Black defeated Andrade, DIY over the bar. Mandy Rose defeated Asuka to set up that uh, potential match at Fastlane. Ricochet defeated Eric Young and Kofi Kingston, Jeff Hardy, and AJ Styles defeated Samoa Joe, Randy Orton, and Daniel Bryan when Kofi pinned D. Bry. On NXT last week, Alistair Black defeated Roderick Strong. It was announced that the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic would return for a third season. Mia Yim defeated Zia Lee. And Velveteen Dream defeated Johnny Gargano to win the North American title. Uh, last topic for the night, Justin. We've talked a little bit about possible WrestleMania matches, but it's also the NXT takeover, biggest takeover of the year. We talked about that with Tommaso Ciampa and his NXT title. Uh, what stories do you see developing over the next few weeks to get us to NXT TakeOver uh, WrestleMania weekend? Do you have any matches in mind that you would like to see or that you'll think we'll see uh, at TakeOver? We've desperately, we've desperately got to figure out who's facing Tommaso Ciampa for that title. Mm-hmm. Um, with the NXT roster suddenly getting cleaned out, and the speculation has always been that we'd see one more Ciampa-Gargano match and possibly with the addition of Black. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know if that's going to happen now. Um, we don't even know if Ciampa will be champion going into that weekend. Velveteen Dream, there's nobody below him on the, uh, it. I think what we're going to see is I think you're going to see Roderick Strong versus Velveteen Dream for the NXT North American Championship. 
I think you can see Adam Cole versus Tommaso Ciampa for the North American Championship. We're already seeing War Raiders versus Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish for the Tag Team Championship. Undisputed Era made it clear that their goal is to have all four of them carrying gold. None of them have gold right now. So I think having an Undisputed Era clean sweep Mm. at WrestleMania would be not ill-advised. Interesting. Although... Although it would make both Gargano and Dream transitional champions, which is a little bit iffy. Right. Um, yeah, I I think, you know, you made the point of Adam Cole versus Champa for the title earlier. Uh, you know, looking at Champa in NXT being a heel and Adam Cole being a heel, I think that would be tough. I would like to see Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream for the North American title. Uh, I, I think that would be a, a really fun match. But then you're left with, okay, who's the baby face too. at the top of the card? Strong versus... Yeah, baby faces left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Once you once you remove Ricochet, once you remove Alistair Black, once you remove Johnny Gargano, you're left with not a lot of babyface depth to face Matt Riddle, Champa, Matt Riddle. I mean, Matt Riddle, Keith Lee is there. <laughs> you're left He's, with Matt Riddle. Yeah, I, I mean, really, that hasn't worked a match in months on TV. Right, and that I mean that would be you know another option that came into my head if he really wanted to heat up his push between now and then. Um, but yeah, Matt Riddle. He's the guy, I think, you know, and, and I don't think he's a guy that you should be putting in the undercard for, you know, six months and then building his way up. I think he's there now. I think he's a guy you can put in that NXT title match WrestleMania weekend and make him a star. Yeah, he's already a star, but make him a WWE no, star I, um, against Chad. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that. It, when, when, when I first int- was introduced to Matt Riddle via NXT uh, a few months ago, I was impressed with everything except I didn't like the character itself mm-hmm. uh, due to reasons. And they fixed those reasons. They tightened up that character in a f- direction that I'm very pleased with. And, you know, Matt Riddle really brings it. 90 seconds. He very clearly, I think, has a very open mind. Uh, if, if you just listen, if you just look at the way he's changed up his character and, and the way he's working in matches, I think he's very open to doing, um, to, to, to listening to, to to folks who've been around, and I'm just really pleased with Matt Riddle. How do you think if, if they do Riddle Champa? How do you think they get there? Um, you know, he's not been a main event guy in NXT yet, so you know, does he have to win a match to qualify? Does Champa throw out a challenge and Riddle just answers? I mean, how do you see the the road to getting there? Chompa doesn't throw out challenges. That's not his thing. In, in his, in the Chompa's character's view, he is the main event, right? He he himself is the main event, and no one else is is worthy enough to be in the ring with him, right? That that's the Chompa character. So um, he's not going to issue a uh, he's not going to issue a challenge. I think that they may have a tournament over the next couple tapings, or I think that um, Riddle's just going to say, look, you say you're in the main event, I'm undefeated, Um, let's have a match. Yeah, it could be that simple, and and maybe it should be. Ten seconds. So, yeah. um, Go ahead if you want to... Top of matches sell themselves. Right. At this point, that's true. You know, he's he's the NXT champion. He's been portrayed as uh, one of, if not the biggest star on NXT TV for a long time. 
And I think you've got Matt Riddle, who is this infectious personality who really grabs the viewers. And I think that there's also a nice dichotomy between the two, where they are also very different. And, and I think that that's the kind of difference that can really work in that in that at that stage, you know. And they both work a stiff match when needed. Yeah. I mean, Champa. Champa is. No, I'm not saying Champa is not a safe worker, but if you look at the matches he had against Gargano, he will let loose, and you know Matt Riddle will too when called upon. That would be a very stiff match that I'll really enjoy watching. Absolutely, and um, that will wrap things up. Um... For this week on Wrestling Night in America, Justin, um, go ahead. I know I did it at the top of the show, but plug all the endeavors you're involved in with the torch and any kind of social media contact you want to give out. Yep. Uh, you can find me at Twitter at Justin underscore M underscore James. Every Wednesday night, I post up a recap of the NXT TV show. And afterwards, typically three out of every four weeks, I record along with Kelly Wells, Tom Stout, and Harley R. Paget. I record the PWT Talks NXT podcast, which you can find free on PW Torch. Absolutely. Uh, look forward to listening to that and hope uh, the listeners of Wrestling Night in America will give that a listen as well. So thank Justin, thank all the listeners and callers and emailers and uh, everybody here for another week of Wrestling Night in America. Don't forget to join us next week because if it's Sunday, it's Wrestling Night in America. <laughs>